Did you know one of the most powerful ways to manage and even reverse type 2 diabetes is not a medicine, it is sleep. You are watching or listening to the Haroon Rabbani podcast and today we're going to look at the intimate link between sleep and type 2 diabetes. And if you can master sleep, then you're going to be well on the way to taking control over your life. So before we get going, my name is Haroon Rabbani. I am a health coach, particularly with an interest on the spiritual, on the mental and on the physical root causes of type 2 diabetes. I am not a doctor. I am not here giving you medical advice. This is just for education purposes. Please do your own research and go to your own doctor to get medical advice. That being said, why is the circadian rhythm so important? The circadian rhythm is really about, literally, means about a day. We are what you call diurnal creatures. We're daytime creatures. We're supposed to sleep at night. But there's a problem. In today's day and age, due to the electricity, the light, the social media, all that's distracting us, we've moved away from the natural essence of who we truly are. And if you look at any kind of ancient community, you'll find that they do their hunting, their gathering during the day and nighttime, they're sleepy buys. You may be aware that we have a body clock. It's called the SCN, which is the suprachiasmatic nucleus. Well, that's the master clock. But every single atom in your body has its own clock. Even the pancreas has its own clock. They all operate at different times and different durations. But the big overall master clock is your suprachiasmatic nucleus. Now, the pancreas clock, according to Chinese medicine, is most active between the hours of 9am and 11am. It releases enzymatic juices to be able to help release energy for you to use for activities during the rest of the day. People who practice traditional Chinese medicine recommend this is a good time for you to be active. However, it's also very important to understand that when you wake up first thing in the morning, you know how you go from being very tired to suddenly Coming alive slowly for some people, really fast for others. Depends on how many times you hit the snooze button. After you've woken up, for at least 60 minutes after that time period, your pancreas is asleep. And at night time, your pancreas is also asleep for the last hour or two hours before bedtime. And there's a reason why, which we'll go into. But straight away, tip number one is this. If your pancreas is asleep and it's not producing insulin on either side of the day, meaning first thing in the morning, last thing at night, then it is not a good idea for you to have any kind of foods whatsoever straight after you've woken up, so within the first hours, and straight before you go to bed, so within the first hour or two. And in fact, my recommendation to my private clients is do not go to bed until you've had a gap of four hours between the last piece of food going into your mouth and you falling asleep. It's very important you have that gap. Pancreas has a very interesting relationship with melatonin, which is the sleep hormone. Now, most people are aware that melatonin is produced in the pineal gland. But actually, scientific research shows that it's actually produced, and this is within people whose pineal glands have been removed, they're produced around the pineal gland in the retina of the eye, so part of the tissues there, and also other parts of the body, including the GI tract your digestive system. So it's not exclusively produced 
in your pineal gland. The relationship that melatonin and the pancreas has is an inverse relationship. When you have high productions of melatonin, you will have a suppression in the production of insulin. And when you have a high production of insulin, it will suppress the production of melatonin. So think about it. If you go to bed with snacks and food in your mouth or leading up to that time, last couple of hours before you go to bed, then you are going to reduce the production of melatonin, the sleep hormone. You may fall asleep because I remember doing this when I was a student. I'll eat late at night, then go to sleep and I'll be fine. But then your body ends up suffering. Your body isn't resting, even though your eyes may be closed. Now, why is insulin resistance such an important phenomenon? Well, insulin resistance by many people, by all accounts, is the real cause of type 2 diabetes. I beg to differ. It is one of the causes. However, I feel, at least looking at Dr. Jason Fung's work, that people are looking at the wrong side of the equation. You probably heard this saying, whatever you resist will persist. So what is it that's persisting that's causing the resistance? It's something called insulinemia. Insulinemia is the overproduction of insulin. And so because you got so much production, your body's going to try to bring about balance causing insulin resistance. So although insulin resistance is a cause, what causes insulin resistance? Insulinemia. If we can start looking at what leads to insulin production, we can start having half a chance in reversing type 2 diabetes. One of the organs very strongly related to people with type 2 diabetes and everyone else, of course, is the liver. The liver is responsible for getting rid of about 50% of the insulin in your blood, which is amazing. But if you've got fatty liver disease, if you've got other kind of liver issues, problems with the detoxification pathways, or you're not giving the liver its chance to do its job, then you are going to prevent yourself from getting rid of enough insulin. The liver is responsible for detoxification, getting rid of poisons. It's the biggest organ. But the time the liver does its work, where it's most active, is between the hours of 1 a.m. and 3 a.m. in the morning, but you have to be asleep for it to do its job. So if you are awake playing video games, watching television, going partying, whatever it is that you're doing, then the detoxification isn't taking place. The production of new red blood cells isn't taking place. So if you've got issues with anemia, hello, there's something going on here. So you need to be in deep sleep at those hours. However, there's something else that is also related to sleep, which is your brain. Your brain does not have the same detoxification system called the lymphatic system, which is basically like the sewers. It gets rid of the toxins. So your brain doesn't have that. It has something else. It's called the glymphatic system, where literally your cells shrink and it allows the toxicity, the toxins to be removed from your brain. But it only happens when you're in deep sleep. And it's been said that it happens particularly between the hours of 9 p.m. and 11 p.m. So if you are not asleep until, say, 11 or 12 a.m., 11 p.m., 12 a.m., then you will collect toxins in your brain, which will lead to brain fog, which will lead to mood disorders, which will lead to anxiety and depression. So can you see how sleeping is so much more than just insulin? There is a problem, though. Melatonin production starts reducing as you start aging. 
At the same time, insulin production goes up as you age. Leptin production goes up as you age. Leptin is the satiation hormone, which for a lot of people with type 2 diabetes, especially the ones who are overweight, have leptin resistance. They eat something and they still feel hungry, whereas the leptin is there to tell the brain you're full. One of the best ways that scientists have shown to reduce age-related insulin increases to introduce more melatonin into the body through supplementation. And I do believe supplementation is very, very useful. But in places like the UK, you cannot buy melatonin in the health food stores. It's not available in America, perhaps, but not in the UK. Melatonin has this brilliant antioxidant capability in that it helps the beta cells or the beta cells within the pancreas from oxidative stress. It also helps trigger the super antioxidants. Literally, one is called SOD, which is superoxide dismutase, and glutathione production. Another very important area melatonin helps with is the increase in nitric acid production. Nitric acid is responsible for vasodilation. That means your capillaries and your veins dilate to allow more blood flow. So if you're someone suffering from diabetic neuropathy, if you're someone who's having problems with your eyes, this is absolutely brilliant for you. Getting a good night's sleep. If you've got erectile dysfunction, another major benefit to you is using melatonin or getting a good night's sleep. So if you're someone who's developing the plucking of the heart's atherosclerosis, then the production of melatonin helps reduce that or prevent that. There's something called reactive oxygen species, which actually damages the mitochondrial DNA. Mitochondria are your energy factories. This leads to nerve damage and influences diabetic neuropathy to develop. That's the tingling sensations at the end of your feet or your toes or your hands or the burning sensation. Melatonin protects against fatty liver disease, as I mentioned earlier on. So the question is, how do you get a good night's sleep? So here are some very important tips. Number one, turn off your lights. In fact, as soon as it gets late afternoon, early evening, turn them off or turn them down. Or use candles. Seriously, I'm that serious about it. Two hours before you go to bed, stop watching things on the computer, social media, or any kind of screen. That will really, really help you. Have dim lights in the bedroom. Because remember, just access to this powerful light starts depleting your melatonin, which means that you have got less chance of falling asleep. If you do nap in the middle of the day, then make sure you either stop napping in the middle of the day or reduce how long you sleep for, because that will affect the quality of your sleep later on. People with type 2 diabetes often have urination problems. So in the middle of the night, they'll go to the toilet to pee once a night, two, three times a night, sometimes more than that. How do you prevent that? First of all, stop having carbohydrates late at night. In fact, if you're going to have carbohydrates, have it earlier on in the day. Have the proteins late at night. Second thing is... Hydrate your body throughout the day by drinking water with a bit of lemon and salt. But when it comes to a couple of hours before going to bed, stop drinking your waters. Certainly no coffee, certainly no tea. Speaking of coffee, best thing you can do with coffee is number one, reduce it to a small amount. Number two, have it after 10 a.m. Up till 10 a.m., your cortisol production from your adrenals basically keeps you awake. We have coffee to keep ourselves awake. Don't Take it until after 10 a.m. Secondly, do not have coffee after 2 p.m. 
because that coffee, that caffeine is going to linger in your body for 10 hours. I know because I've experimented and I've lost many nights sleep as a result of that. So restrict your coffee, have an amazing coffee once a day, late morning, early afternoon. That's it. Two coffees, maybe three, but seriously, if you're serious about getting a better night's sleep, just stop it altogether. Completely stop it. One of the most magical things that I've done to help with my sleep is this. And I've learned this from Andrew Huberman, actually. Brilliant podcaster, scientist, neuroscientist. So here's what I do. First thing in the morning, 6 a.m., which is approximately at this time of recording when the sun is rising, I will go outside into the garden because my garden faces the southeast and I look towards the sun, I don't look at the sun. There's something that takes place where there's sensory nerves in your retina which get triggered at that time, so 6am, to produce melatonin 16 hours later. That's 10pm. And here's what I found. By waking up at 6am, which is actually when I do my meditation, I end up being absolutely exhausted by 10pm. So that's helped tremendously with my sleep. Excessive light and a lack of sleep has been linked to obesity and other metabolic disorders such as heart disease. People who are shift workers, basically who work at night shifts, tend to suffer from diabetes more, obesity, heart disease, and numerous other metabolic conditions. So if you can avoid doing shift work, that's brilliant. If you can't, then you've got to take other kind of actions to counteract what you're doing by staying away awake at night. Now I tried an experiment not too long ago because I was having broken sleep because I've got a super active brain. So what I did was this. After my last meal and maybe a couple hours before I slept, I took a berberine capsule and every night I did that, I had the best night's sleep. Berberine is not a sleeping tablet, but what it is doing is preventing blood sugar spikes. It is these blood sugar spikes that are causing the kidneys to get active and start releasing, of course, water into the bladder, urine, which forces you to go to the toilet in the middle of the night. Consider trying that out. Remember, I'm only educating you. I'm not telling you what you should and shouldn't do because I'm not a medical doctor. So here are some common questions that a lot of clients have been asking me and also people from social media. Do people with diabetes sleep less? It's estimated that one in two people, so 50% of people with type 2 diabetes have sleep problems. And this is due to the unstable blood sugar, the insulin resistance and the insulinemia, like I mentioned before. The high blood sugar or low blood sugar causes irritation, frustration in the body, which then disrupts the sleep. Why do diabetics feel sleepy after eating? Well, a lot of people feel sleepy after eating, especially in the middle of the afternoon. And there could be a a different set of reasons. One issue for me was exactly that. I needed to sleep for one or two hours for many, many years after my midday lunch. And that is a very strong sign of insulin resistance or pre-diabetes or diabetes. So it's important that you get yourself checked out by your doctor and start taking remedial action to prevent it from getting worse or doing anything you can to help reverse that condition. And this really happens because after your meal, you've had a blood sugar spike and then you're going to have a blood sugar slump. And what causes that more than anything? High GI foods, glycemic index foods, sugary foods, refined carbs. They are absolutely geniuses at doing that for you. 
giving you a spike and then causing a slump. So having desserts, not a good idea. Having sugary foods, not a good idea. Having cakes, pastries, biscuits, all of them. If you have type 2 diabetes, it will disrupt your sleep. It will disrupt your metabolism beyond repair if you do not take care of it straight away. So some people ask, how much sleep do people with diabetes need? Any normal adult will need between seven to nine hours of sleep. It will vary from person to person. You do not want to have less than six hours sleep. And if you're a grown adult, you don't really want to have more than 11, 12 hours of sleep. So you're looking at that middle range. If your sleep is broken, that's not a good call. What you're looking for is to have REM sleep, REM sleep, rapid eye movements, and you want to have a few cycles of those because during your sleep time is when the most amount of rejuvenation of your body, healing of your body takes place. If you've got diabetes and you're getting less than seven hours of sleep, it's going to be difficult for you to manage your diabetes, let alone reverse it. Why is sleep apnea related to people with type 2 diabetes? Well, sleep apnea and diabetes are bedfellows, excuse the pun. In essence, people with diabetes are more likely to have sleep apnea, which is breathing problems while they're asleep. And people with sleep apnea are more likely to have type 2 diabetes or at least the symptoms of type 2 diabetes. Sleep apnea deprives the body of oxygen, which then increases insulin resistance, which of course is a cause of type 2 diabetes. Why do diabetics need to sleep so much? If you've got insulin resistance, then you're not getting the nutrients to your cells. So the mitochondria aren't able to produce the energy. And if you're not producing enough energy, you're going to be tired and you're going to be more sleepy. How does sleep affect diabetic neuropathy? Well, diabetic neuropathy causes either a numbing sensation or a stinging sensation or just high levels of sensitivity, particularly in your feet and your legs. And so it's very uncomfortable for that person to sleep. Of course, as a result, like I said earlier on, you're going to end up being so uncomfortable, you're going to end up losing sleep, producing less melatonin, which means no healing or little healing takes place, which also means you're going to increase your insulin resistance. It's a vicious cycle that you really want to get out of. Why do some people wake up, say, three in the morning? Well, that's called the dawn phenomenon. What is the dawn phenomenon? A lot of diabetics experience low blood sugar levels, hypoglycemia in the morning. And so that's not a very safe condition. And so your body produces cortisol, adrenaline, and various other hormones to release sugar and to wake you up, to keep you alive, basically. But then, of course, to wake you up means it disrupts your sleep. Sometimes the dawn phenomena will wake people up and sometimes it's not strong enough to wake you up. It's not something we want to gamble with. It's something that we want to help reverse as best as we can. One of the ways to help reduce or prevent the dawn phenomena, of course, is when you eat meals, my preference is to eat two times a day, two big meals a day. So whenever you break your fast or breakfast, have most of your carbohydrates, the fibrous vegetables, all of that starchy stuff, all anything with a GI index, basically, you want to have it at the early part of the day and have more of your proteins towards the latter part of the day, meaning your early evening or late afternoon meal. That way you don't have a blood sugar spike, which will then lead it lead to a sugar slump later on when you are trying to sleep at 
3 in the morning. Can sleep deprivation cause diabetes? Well, studies show that yes, it does. There's constant breaking of your sleep and restlessness will influence if not exacerbate your current type 2 diabetes. One of the best things I find most useful is this, and it really, really is good. Learn breathing techniques. Pranayama is basically breathwork exercise developed thousands of years ago in India through the yogic movement, of course. Pranayama helps you to practice breathing correctly. And the type of pranayama you want to do involves inhaling through your nose, exhaling through your nose, but you exhale for longer. So you breathe in, let's say for four, and you breathe out for six, or you breathe in for six, and you breathe out for nine. 